welcome to this podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen and welcome to the podcast Agility Humanity. We are exploring anything on the intersection of agility and humanity. Our statement is that humanity is as essential as agility. You can learn a lot by listening in to the conversations with my guests. So relax and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the podcast Agility Humanity. My name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen and I'm very happy to have Magnus Kolberg as a guest. He is an Agile coach at Agile 42 in Sweden, in Stockholm. So welcome, Magnus. Thanks a lot, Frederik. Thanks. Great having you with us. Could you please shortly introduce yourself and tell a bit more about your background? Yes, thanks for, for having me. Um, my name is Magnus Kolbe, and uh, as you said, I'm from Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, I've been an Agile coach for the last 10 years. Uh, engineering background somewhere uh, way back. Uh, and, and I think I traveled through the developer journey bit of project manager, scrum master, product owner, and coach. That's kind of the, the journey. D different industries, uh, been in an embedded industry for, for, for automotive for 12 years, um, building stuff for heavy trucks, uh, been in the banking industry for six years, uh, retail currently, and various consulting assignments from there. So that's just briefly about me, I think. Okay, thank you. So today we're going to talk about uh, Agile coaching and more specifically about the coaching part of it, the coaching stance. Yeah, I'm also I'm active as Scrum Master today. I've been an Agile coach for different teams and organizations. And for me also, the, the coaching part has always been fundamentally important but also puzzling, like, what does it mean for everything regarding Agile coaching then? So could you just, you know, briefly give your definition of your take on what is Agile coaching and what does the coaching part or the coaching aspect means of yeah, Agile coaching? Absolutely. Um, starting out with, with Agile coaching is, is kind of a mixture of different competences, right? So we got typically, I, I used to think of it like we got professional coaching, we got mentoring, we got advising, we got teaching and, and a bit of role modeling, mixture in, in, in that role as an Agile coach, which makes that role super wide, right? And I think each of those things might be a profession in itself, like so, but I view it as the, the coaching competence is my kind of base stance. That's where I start off and where I return continuously. And then it kind of depends on the client, like the individual or the team that I work with. If I'm going to go to mentoring or if I'm going to go to, to teaching or advising or, or um, coaching, right? So... And that depends on kind of the need they have. So, so if, you f if you talk to a person and you realize that there is a misunderstanding here or a gap in knowledge, it's not the place to coach, right? 
we need to mm. go in there and, and actually then uh, help them to clarify that with their permission, of course. If they're not interested, you're, you're kind of, that's a dead end anyway. And same goes for the other ones. So if you see that they would like to have an advice, you might pr provide some options or in order to generate some insights or provide your experience with, with different things you have seen, still kind of get the ownership where it belongs to, to the client, right? And mentoring might be like, um, well, I know the theory, but I have never done it in practice. So I'll grab you by the hand and we try to do it together. And I can show you a bit how we're doing and then you slowly take over and do it yourself. So I think it's a constant kind of dance between those roles and, uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I, how I see the agile coach role. And then depending on the situation or the need, as an agile coach, you need to kind of sense uh, and try to capture what's the best stance or the best approach to yeah. continue with. For example, keep on asking questions while the other person or team has no clue what you're talking about. Doesn't work. Will, that well. will not be so productive. No, you're right. <laughs> it's almost like you. Yeah, I mean, if you start asking coaching questions without an agreement that that is what you're supposed to do, they kind of throw you out of the door, right? It it it, it doesn't match, and you can sense it in the room also that this didn't, this wasn't the right thing to do here. So I think it comes down to 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 a couple of things which I believe is important. The first is kind of having an agreement with, with the, the individual or client that you work with. What am I supposed to help you with, right? And the other one is, and, and how should I behave when doing that? And some practical things, of course, when it comes to how often should we meet and, and stuff like that. When do we provide feedback? And um, The other thing is about ownership that I feel come clear about is it, that the ownership is at the client, right? So when it comes to individuals, don't kind of, or teams, don't design their, their, their way of working for them, like help them design it themselves, right? And of course we can provide them with a, with a knowledge of, for example, Scrum, Scrum framework, like it works like this. And they, you check out if they're eager to kind of go that way and, and help them to apply it, but still the ownership is, is theirs. And I think those two things is is what has become stronger for me when I when I have kind of grown my coaching competence. I'm more secure in that stand, the, the original stance, which makes me secure in the different kind of other stances as well, right? Hmm. And also this thing that I that I can detach myself from from the ownership and build that constant partnership with a with a individual or or group I work with, um, which I think is crucial for for this to to work well. And what does that mean, like in terms of accountability, the accountability of you know improving somehow or or getting to a next step when you say ownership at the client side does that mm. also mean the accountability is at the client side yeah absolutely yes would, uh, and to 
I will say, I mean, if if we work in a way, if if we are a group that work in a specific way, we should also be the ones who affect and change that way and and take the responsibility for for the great things we do and and the less great things we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a coach, we can be there with our little flashlight and, and make them aware of the situation, right? Yeah. I think, um, yeah. Okay. So there are these different competencies, these different stances. And, you know, conceptually, it's clear. Yeah, you have coaching, advising, mentoring, role modeling. Mm-hmm. But how does that then play out? To ke- How does it work together? How does it play out? Because in practice, it can be, you know, it's quite complicated. Yeah, it <laughs> to, could be. To my experience. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I think it plays out like a dance, right? You, you kind of, you need to be clear on what those different stances mean. Otherwise, you don't know where to go, right? And, and, and then it's about listening into the client. Like, listen for keywords, listen for like phrases like, I have no clue about this. Or you listen for misunderstandings about a practice or a framework or something like that. And you can, you can reflect what you hear and you can offer them like, it sounds like you have a, a misunderstanding about this. Are you interested in kind of looking into this a bit more? And I can have a small lecture about that. Hmm. And then you kind of enter the teaching mode. And after that, you teach your stuff and then you go back and say, okay, now when we looked at this, you know, some theory, what do you think about this? So it, therefore it kind of plays along all the time, I think. And how clear are these boundaries or these movements, for example, between coaching, teaching, mentoring? Do you make that? How do you make it clear to to your client, a person, or a team, or is it just a dance that? And you know, <laughs> yeah. What do we? But in practice, what do I actually do? I think when we go to teaching, I think it's clear. Yeah. I think advising, I think it's clear because then I'm gonna give you an advice or I'm gonna. Let's look at some options. I've seen this and this and this like before works. What do you think is suitable for your context? I might suggest something, but try still to kind of keep the keep the ownership kind of of the group anyway, so we don't go somewhere they don't want to. When it comes to mentoring, is is I don't I don't think I say now I'm going to mentor you. I think I say say just kind of let's do this together. Let's have a look together and see see how it works. And I can show you a couple of things first and. A simple example, uh, never work with user stories. So let me write a couple of uses. We look at the backlog together and I might write, try to write a couple of user stories first and see how that fit to them and then slowly kind of let them do a couple and then they are onto it after a while. Hmm. So same story mapping for the same take some other practice, right? You kind of sh- lead them. You do it together with them, but I don't think I say now I'm going to mentor you. Yeah, might actually scare scare the yeah, other person more than yeah. <laughs> than help. What, but what's fundamental, I think, what you also said that it is clear to the to the other person what it means agile coaching that you have a, a clear understanding, uh, but also the expectations of the organization. Because when you say client, I, I suppose you mean either a person or a team or multiple teams. Mm. But in an organization, there is, of, there, is, there is someone who, 
you know, requested or assigned you as an agile coach, mm. like the sponsor or the mm. or the management, that they also have a clear understanding of what it means in terms of expectations and accountabilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think there is a when doing those kind of agreements, for example, if you work with it, if you're supposed to work with a team, I I try to hook into kind of the person who put me there because it's not always the team who, who kind of want me there for in the first place right um so the person who put me there take that one and take a couple of people from the team and sit together and see what am i supposed to help them with right so we get an agreement between each other so when are we done how are we going to follow up that we are actually are progressing and get that kind of agreement I got a classical question some time ago, which was like, uh, it was a lot of questions. How is that team going? And, and uh, how, what do you think about that team? How am I supposed mm. to answer that without losing kind of the partnership with that team? So I need mm. to ask a team, right? What am I supposed to do if they ask me, how is it going for this team? How am I gonna, yeah. what, what am I going to say? Because I, it put me in a bit of an awkward situation, right? I'm supposed to bring up my judgment to a group that I work with mm. and possibly kind of lower the relationship with them a bit. And damage the trust. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what do you need then to, to, to organize that better, in a better way, when you start as an Agile coach or as a Scrum Master? I think that agreement is, is, is kind of... At least it's one key because uh, uh, when I've, I've listened to or talked to a, a lot of uh, agile coaches who are pretty new in their role, right? Uh, in an organization, several organizations basically, but it might be that they reorganize and they put in new roles and and suddenly you're, you're an agile coach and supposed to help, help a, a group. And a, a lot of the pain pains they have is about lack of or or lack of agreement or very weak agreement in many cases completely lack of an agreement what to do and that ownership thing that you go in as a coach and you you do do the stuff for them you design a kanban board on level for them and say here it is apply it and then you 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 wonder why nobody uses it or and nobody's kind of putting solutions exactly putting solutions in place Mm. I think, and it, it's, it's. I think it's. Uh, we do our best, and now I learned something. Let's try it here, and it didn't work here. I tried it over here. Mm. I think that's why I went into coaching in the first place. It's like um, got two things which, which which trigger me. I think for the pure coaching, growing that kind of skill, where yes. one was that. Uh, sometimes you work with a team, and, and you see that they have a pretty simple problem. It's straightforward how to do it. You, you, you've done it. You know it's not super complex uh, or complicated. It's, it's kind of straightforward. You give the advice and the team don't take it, right? Hmm. And then that happens, has, has happened uh, uh, sometimes, uh, especially in, in my past. Right? Okay, so that didn't work. Then we had the other situation where you work in a, a bit of complex, they have a complex problem. 
And you think you have seen the solution before because you work with other teams who had some kind of similar thing. So you install the same solution. You suggest the solution for them that you should do it like this. And they follow you. And it was wrong. Okay, so there needs to be, how, how, do I, how am I supposed to get it right here? And that's kind of somehow there I got kind of interested in, in, in coaching and kind of growing that, that competence for myself just to be, I don't think I knew it. It's more like I, I, I'm a much better listener. I'm, I got much more empathy currently with a client than in, in, in individuals I work with. Easy, easier to do that. And that ownership thing has, has also grown. So it's not just about asking those questions and, and, and being good at listening, even if those are, of course, key competences as, as a pure coach. Right? It, it follows with a bit of reflection on, on other things uh, as well, which is super beneficial. So what do, you, what do you see then as the main benefits, really, or the main reasons of growing coaching competencies? Uh, as an agile coach yeah um what would it be risk of repeating me well, okay we take the two ones first getting, getting the, the the perhaps easier one you get some practice when it comes to questioning and listening and following a conversation and assure that the ownership is on the right place uh, some structure to handle a conversation uh, which i didn't know before and I mean, you know there's multiple coaching models and, and you might use them at the beginning but after a while they, you they kind of fade away and you 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 as anything and, and you go it's, it's in there already so you 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 just follow it um, um i think that agreement that ownership is helping and also being better to handle a bit of insecure situations you know, when you don't know what's going to happen, which is in many cases when you coach a group. Like you do your nice plan at the beginning for, for the, the workshop you're going to have. Or, and then after for a three-hour workshop and after 15 minutes, you realize this, those guys need to talk about something else. There's something mm -hmm. that is most, more important for them. And checking out that you're talking about the right things with them. Mm -hmm. So I think my I'm just kind of a bit more, how do you say? I'm more listening in. I'm more like have my my senses out there uh, more than I had before. And personally, I mean, I think I had a this coaching thing. I would like to throw it out of the door at the beginning. It's, it was like a, a struggle. It, it's super performance issues that, that kicked in for myself, right? But as with anything, it's about practice, practice, practice. And suddenly at some point, kind of, yeah, this, this works. Mm -hmm. So it's been a super valuable journey uh, for myself. And, and, uh, but with that said, agile coaching needs more. And I, I, you, you can't just coach. Yes. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, but would you do you consider what's your your um, starting position, so to say? What's your base uh, stance? Um, Is it the coaching? Yeah, it's always coaching. Hmm. 
um, is all, always coaching. Otherwise, I feel I, I might be doing the wrong thing, right? So what is it that this person wants? And, and if you're an agile coach and, and someone approach you, they are not always looking for coaching. They might just want an advice or mm-hmm. but if you dig a little bit, it might be that they have their, they know actually what to do, but there is something blocking them for doing it. It might be like, I don't know, ends up that you, you, you're not comfortable with a certain relationship or whatever it might be. So then you can kick in pure coaching with that one. If you got that uh, okay to do that. And then I think, think one should be a bit clear that, so they understand the difference between coaching or not. Otherwise, you end up, as you said in the beginning, you ask a lot of questions, uh, powerful, open questions, which, which make them kind of want to throw you out of the door. And the key is to get some kind of agreement or align the expectations. Yeah, I think so. I understand. Mm. Uh, but how, how strong has the, the, does the coaching stance need to be? Uh, or otherwise said, is it mand- is the coaching stance mandatory to be able to to help a client on their agile journey uh, effect- effectively? Because the, there are you have seen vo- uh, voices in the community s- saying at some point, yes, absolutely, coaching and pro- knowing professional coaching is important. But then I think we had a transition to a lot of agile coaches purely relying <laughs> on the coaching stance mm, mm. Maybe, uh, maybe i'm exaggerating a bit but so how strong how strong does that coaching stance needs to be in order to effect effectively help clients in a, in an on an agile journey what what do you think yeah that's a good question it's easy to just look at, at oneself like and, and I, I think i mean i've been working with with the agile practices and methods since 2006 uh, for a long time as a scrum master and and, and then as a product owner and i feel fairly even if i constantly learn new things about that i I feel i stand pretty grounded on that without that i don't think i could definitely not do the job i do now as as an agile coach that would be i would be horrible for myself Hmm. Uh, so i think one needs to be to have that the then, experience yeah and, you need and, to have the experience preferably of, the experience of the practices of the yeah, exactly yeah. you should walk the talk right um that has helped me a, a, a lot and i would encourage everyone to 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 do that but how strong should it be i mean there is probably you can you can have a place where you where you have a specific persons who are super good at training and teaching like because that's a skill in itself to grow and perhaps that's we can guide the the clients or teams to that to that person or when needed and they can just focusing a bit on teaching on the other hand the teaching the coaching part has also helped me when i'm doing teaching so i'm listening in a bit more and and Perhaps uh, not only do my thing, but that's. I think you can get that with, with a without being super good at coaching. I think you grow that competence along that way path 
away a bit, listening skills and a bit of curiosity. And uh, if we take advising, then could I only go in and give advice? Uh, I don't think so, because what if that's consultant? I think yeah, cons consultant exactly. I, uh, uh, I think it's. Uh, mm. You should probably have at, at least some some base knowledge about what coaching is about, and you should have practices a bit in that. In my uh, opinion, a bit uh, awkward one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is in at the beginning, to 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 try to sharpen that sword a bit. I think that is uh, well invested time. But it's, I mean, it's a tough role. Sometimes I think coaches, pure coaches, has a kind of it's it's not easy because it isn't, but they have a clean cleanness that clear more clear. Yeah. It's clear. This is what I'm going to do, <laughs> uh, and you don't need to fiddle around with, with with those different stances, right? Yeah, I stay here, and that's that's what I do. That's comfortable, and yeah. I can be super good at this, which takes a very long time anyway for for the majority, I think, of, of people. And agile coaches, we got this whole palais with with Indeed. conferences, yeah, which so, makes it oh cho chosen uh, a challenging a challenging uh, job. <laughs> it, it is, but as also a rewarding one, especially if you're eager to learn things and and grow. That you have a lot of things to dig into. Okay, so to conclude, then what's what's a pitfall really for an agile coach? to look out for like not doing anything of what we just talked about <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> anything else that you would like to add about you know pitfalls for agile coaches uh, i will say look out for that ownership thing get an ownership. agreement okay. focus on getting an agreement you can always press reset if you have got on the wrong foot and you feel like i feel like we don't have that kind of agreement take that conversation and say like, okay, let's, uh, it didn't start out that good. Should we start again? And let's sit together and see what we're supposed to be do here. And perhaps also think a bit, bit why are we here? Why am I here? Am I here to, to um, solve the client's problems? Or am I here to help them, to grow them, to solve their own problems and thereby growing resilience a bit in the organization. I think that could be things to think of. Don't install solutions. It's, yes. it's wrong and super boring anyway. So, Okay, thank you, uh, Magnus. been very interesting. But what would you recommend or what would you like to refer listeners to in terms of starting to learn about coaching or anything related? Do you recommend? Uh, I think if, if you've never done anything, jump on one of those two-day classes that's around. I think I see Agile had Agile Forty Two has, and I think those shorter, shorter ones to get a feeling of what this is all about, and 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 then consider uh, jumping on a, a kind of a longer train for that if if you feel it's interesting and and find it valuable. Uh, I think that's that's kind of the short tip yeah okay great if listeners want to contact you uh, or ask any questions how can they do that best um, minus.callby 
at yell42.com is a, is a perfect place to, to start with. So, or you'll find me to, on LinkedIn as well. So just Google my name and you'll probably find me there. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Fredrik. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi there. You have been listening to the podcast Agility Humanity. My name is Fredrik van Nieuwenhuizen. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred service. I am creating this podcast in my free time and my own expenses. Creating and publishing this podcast does involve some costs. If you want to support me, please check the podcast page for possibilities. Thank you and hope to hear from you soon.